I looked ahead at the lectionary a month or so ago, or it was com coming off of Christmas and Advent, I saw all these passages this weekend. I'm like, there's so much here. So, <laughs> so we will we'll walk through it. Um, but where I guess where I'll begin is um, wonder if you've ever felt weary or drained. <laughs> Even after good things, right? After a big hike or a really good workout, um, a run, moving from place to place, or challenges, you know, things are particularly hard at school or at work. Few weeks into becoming a parent, or years, <laughs> and the sleepless nights that go along with that. Um, things that we may be worrying about or piling up. For me, whenever a huge project comes to closure, because they always tend to require more than I ever anticipate. I'm a little too optimistic. And so, after a 19 hour day, one day this week, I did get that project done. <laughs> um, maybe recovering from being sick. Um, Chronic disease, the flu, COVID, we've had fever, it wipes us out and we can be so tired, right? Think about regaining your strength, what it kind of takes to get back to 100% after all of that. So I woke up this morning, again, it's been a really, just been a very full week. Um, and I looked out, so I took my dog out and sat down and my clock said 6.33. And that always reminds me of Matthew 633, of God. Like, I usually have an alarm that goes off at that time, too. So I just I stopped and I thought about that for a moment. I looked outside and you could see, like, a little bit of pink in the sky. And I'm like, ooh. So I just felt like the, the water calling, like I wanted to go see the sunrise. I'm like, oh, I'm too tired for that. Oh, I have too much to do. I just started all the reasons to not go do it. Um, but God didn't like me. And so I'm like, it's probably too cold. It's like, it's 19, feels like 9. But it's winter in Maine, right? And the sun was shining, or it wasn't shining yet, but the sky was light, it wasn't raining. Um, so I took um, so I took a walk. Where is my phone? So as I'm walking around the corner, um, I'm or I, just, I hadn't listened to my listen to this Lectio 365 devotion in the morning and hadn't listened to it yet. It was one of the other reasons that I couldn't go for a walk. I'm like, go for a walk, put one earbud in so you can hear the nature and the cars and you can hear the other so um so i walk across and as i'm rounding the corner that's going to take me down by the water so by the bay watching the sun come up over um part of the devotion that we're reading a poem and it says when despair for the world grows in me and i wake in the night um least sound in fear of what life my life and my children's lives children's lives may be i go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. Amazing, you know, herons and egrets and ducks and all the things. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water. As I'm walking around, the, as I round the corner and can see the water at the end of the street, I'm like, God, you are so good. Like, he restores us. And of course, I come back not exhausted. I'm all invigorated after this wonderful time just in nature watching the sun come up, mm -hmm. watching ducks on the water, ducking underneath. I'm like, aren't you cold? And I'm not. <laughs> um, and, the, and the birds go and just the sun coming up. It's like it's just so beautiful the way God will provide and restore us in ways that we don't necessarily anticipate are going to be restoring. Mm -hmm. So, That's true. yeah. 
So it's just this really, really sweet, sweet time. So our passages, as I mentioned, have a lot for us today to talk about weariness. Ben shared actually in both of the um, both of the readings, and we'll dive into those. Um, let's uh, let's start in our gospel passage, and I'll read it. We're in Mark 1, um, 29 to 39. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. And before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So the mission begins. Yeah, the mission begins, right? So what's what's happening here in this in this passage? We have three big things that uh, that happen in this passage. And first I'll just connect us to to last week. So last week uh, we've been walking through walking through Mark's gospel over the last few weeks. And last week he was preaching in the synagogue. He um, there was a person there who had a demon, and he cast him out. But before he called him out, the demon says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Um, and then he cast him out, and people were amazed that, that Jesus, in his authoritative teaching, also had authority to call, to call demons out, that even they had to obey him. They were like, who can this be? The demons knew who he was. So, um, so Jesus is continuing to... Um, is continuing to heal. So a couple things happen here. Uh, this is so they they leave the synagogue and then they go directly. So he's with Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and then they go to Peter Peter's house. It's where Peter lives with his wife, his mother-in-law. Andrew lives there too. Uh, so they go back there and immediately they let him know that, uh, that their mother-in-law, his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, is sick uh, with a high fever. So what does he do? Ask Jesus. Right. Right. So he yes. So both of those things. So they tell him right away. And what does he do? He goes to her. Right. Um, you know what it's like when you've had a high fever, when your kids have had a high fever, just how exhausting that can yeah. be. Um, and he takes her hand. He touches her, and just that touch, and and she sits up. And as she the um, the the word used here in the Greek the uh, that refers to her sitting up is the same get up, um, rise up that is used that in reference to Jesus rising from the dead. So it's powerful. This get up. He touches her hand. He helps her up, uh, and then she goes on like she like she was like she's not just like okay the fever is gone and then you're wiped out for another day or two getting your strength back. She's fully recovered and restored. So she immediately. Um, immediately is healed, gets up, and begins to serve. So what's going on here? So we can look at this next part in 
two ways, right? One of two ways, probably more ways. There's the cultural, cynical way. It's like, what? You know, they killed her so she could get up and make her make food Absolutely. for the men. Absolutely. <laughs> um, that's not really what's going on here because there is um, a couple things going on. It's the Sabbath still, and it's not, so it's still considered the Sabbath till sundown. So she, um, she is acting here, and she is getting up, and she is responding in gratitude, serving Jesus, who had just healed and restored her, um, as, this, as the scripture will go on to say. And we know that Jesus himself says he came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, it would take his other disciples a long time to come around to the fact that that following him means that they are to serve one another and to serve people. But so she just instinctively begins to serve without regard to it being the Sabbath. Typically, people would, would not be would not be doing work on that day. Um, but she would just she would just automatically do that and step into step into that role. So for us to remember here, you know, I think about you know Jesus is healing people in the in the synagogue. We know that people are going people from outside are going to come to the house. This passage tells us that he's going to go on. But how sweet it is in this moment to see Jesus taking the time to to care for and heal someone close to them in their homes. And as we as we serve God and we love others, it serves as a really good reminder to not lose sight of the people around us mm -hmm. as we are serving the world. People would bring others to Jesus to be healed. Um, but I think it's sweet as they walked in, the disciples right away said, she's sick with a high fever. So the second thing that happens in this passage is people come from all over to be healed. So he had just cast out the demon in the synagogue, was maybe a couple hours before, mm -hmm. and word is already spreading because they're like, what just happened? And so people are bringing from all over, bringing people who are sick, uh, who need healing in lots of different ways. Um, typically, and, and this passage talks about um, people coming after sundown. So there are two things we know from that. One, it's late in the day that he's starting this process, but it also speaks to the tradition of the time because this is a Saturday. The um, synagogue would have been in the morning. The Sabbath is technically from Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown. So as soon as sundown passed, people booked it over to get to where Jesus was going to be to see if he could heal the people that they loved and cared about, too. Wow. And I think it's always so important to stop and realize. Let me find the passage where it says, Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So people were interested. People were just kind of like, what is going on? So the crowds are beginning to gather for the first time, right? Um, so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Jesus is healing, and the way that he restores us is one person at a time. He doesn't do this broad, you know, everybody be healed and everybody's healed in the moment. Like, it's personal. And when Jesus intercepts our lives, like, he's it's, it's personal. Like he, 
He knows what each of us needs. He knows what each one of those people who were brought to him needed. And he attended to each one, one at a time, just like he did uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Took her by the hand and helped her sit up. He does that to us and he offers that, offers that to us. Notice, too, what Mark tells us about the demons in the last passage. And we said last week the, the demons spoke out, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Um, but this says, because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. He didn't want people to learn third hand, through, or second hand, third hand, whatever, whatever hand that would be, from, a, from, a, from an evil spirit, but to discover individually, one-on-one, who... And what he can do. And he heals them all until very late. And then he rests. And then the next passage says he's up very early in the morning to pray to the Father. So this is the third thing that he then does. He, after he does this and rests, he gets up early um, to connect with the Father. This models something for us. But it also shows us something about Jesus and his dependence. So Jesus, we know, he's fully God, and he's fully human, and he remains connected with God, yet as a human, he has, so it's hard for us to wrap our arms around, but I remember walking through this in grad school, like, Jesus, fully God, fully human. So he has his sovereign will, like the will of, because he's connected, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, but he was human. He was a person, and he had a human will, too. Oh, yeah. And he had to keep that human will submitted to the will of God, God the Father. And so, and he did it perfectly. None of us will never, will never get it 100% side of heaven, but he calls us to do that. So, uh, so he shows us, he's, he does this, kind of, he, he spends this time over and over again. You see it in all the in all through the Gospels, where he goes away to a desolate place and connects with the Father. That is his time of union, staying connected with God, rest, you know, understanding his will, and then following it. Mm -hmm. uh, so where does he go to do this? He goes out to a desolate place. So why do you think he does that? And why do you think he went early? Get away from people. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to commune with the Father, right? How important it is, and as I mentioned this, um, you know, that can sneak this little time away in February. Um, to, but that just time to be alone with God um, and to really to hear Him clearly without the distractions. Mm -hmm. So think about, you know, when we're, um, you know, sometimes I'll sit down to to do my devotions in the left ear 365 app. Usually I listen to it, but I'll read it along too. But sometimes I'll find myself, ooh, maybe I can take care of this while this is playing. Mm -hmm. I have to stop mm -hmm. myself. It's like, no, mm -hmm. you're, miss you're missing the point. Like, this is my time to connect. What does God's word have for me? What does he want me to know today? Um, and I can't do that if I'm scrolling my email or if I'm oh, yeah. pulling a document from something else or printing something else or letting the dog out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or whatever, whatever those things, whatever those things are. So think about that. Where the distractions mm -hmm. in your life that that create noise um, when you're connecting with God, and what might you do 
differently, and we see Jesus doing that. So he gets up early, and he goes, and he, every step that he takes, he acts out of that. Like everything that he does in ministry, he connects with the Father, and then he goes. He connects with the Father, and he calls his disciples. He connects with the Father, and now he, as the as as Peter and J as his disciples are coming after him, like, we're looking everywhere for you. People are gathering. Like, you need to come back. Like, mm -hmm. they're, like, telling him what, what he needs to do. And he's like, yeah. no. Because up. he knows so clearly from his time with the Father that, yes, it was important for him to share to share the gospel there where he was, to heal people where he was, but not to stay there, to keep going, so that others may know, so that others may know, so that others may be healed, but they would come to know and depend on him, too. So he acts out of that place from connection with the Father, and that's a really great example for us, too. Huh. So he says, we must go on to other towns, and I will preach to them, too. And what does he say? That's why I came. Yeah, that's why I came. His purpose is so clear mm -hmm. to him, and he stays laser-focused in it. But he doesn't do it in his power, in his own power. He does it through connection with God the Father. Um, and that's how that's how we can live out our purpose, in staying connected with God. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So how does he not get derailed? He prays. Right, he prays. He stays connected. Does he struggle to remember? No, we heard a lot about in our Isaiah passage people struggling to remember God's goodness and his faithfulness and his promises. Uh, so if we go back to the, um, to the passage in Isaiah, so there are a couple things that are happening through, there are a lot of verses here, um, but the first part is, um, is prompting the people of Isaiah to remember. So Isaiah is, um, there are different sections in Isaiah. And the first part of Isaiah up through chapter 39 um, is leading up to, is the, uh, the warnings that God's people are in exile. So in chapter 40, it's, it's the post-exile, people be encouraging to come back, um, to come back. So God's justice and now God's mercy is coming. And so these chapters start to speak hope. Um, hope and reminders of the promise. So in so it begins with, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Um, these people have been in exile for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, there's that remember, and then there's the question, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. And then they're redirected, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each one forth by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And then they ask the question again, why do you complain? <laughs> why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord because my cause is disregarded by my God? Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave them there to feel guilt or shame, right? He redirects, redirects again through encouragement and the promise, do you not know have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, Amen. the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary. He doesn't. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He gives strength to the weary. It's a promise. And increases the power of the weak. 
Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk, and they will not faint. Amen. It's reminded of those promises. I was like, God, do I remember when I'm swirling in my stress or worry or mm. walking through a really difficult season of life? Do I remember God's faithfulness Amen. and what he provides? And in our passage, um, our First Corinthians passage, we look at Paul, who's also remembering. He's also so clear about his purpose and what God has called him to do. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, may remember, when we know from Scripture, that Paul was once Saul, who was a Pharisee who was persecuting the, the followers of Jesus, um, sanctioning their killing. Um, but, but Jesus would intersect with him and redirect him, so Paul was so clear on his purpose. And his mission is like, it's like, oh, I'm compelled to preach. Like, I can't do anything else. Like, he was laser focused, and he remembered. He, he would remember and continue and walk in the purpose that God had for him. So there's an obedience piece, and oh, we don't like obedience. Like, kind of makes you just do this kind of thing, right? It's like, who wants to think about, you know, being forced to do something? Like, we have to obey, right? Um, but obedience as we come to know Jesus, comes through loving submission mm. to his word. I was talking with someone earlier today. There's a passage in John where it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And it's so easy to hear that. Well, if you love me, you prove it. Yeah. And that's not what it says. Like you have to read the right side of the, of the comma. It's like, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You're going to want to do this. Like it's, 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 it's a relationship. It's this loving submission to that, and we see Paul doing that. Like he, Paul can't imagine doing anything else than what he's doing. Living out the purpose, no matter what it costs him, no matter what it takes, that people would come to know Jesus. <coughs> and it's kind of interesting to think about, it's like, well, wait a minute, and he's like becoming all things to all people, so what does that mean? Does it mean that you, that we compromise you know, this, that, or the other, but it shows, again, how Jesus is restoring and healing people individually. Paul's doing that also. Mm -hmm. He's connecting where he can connect. It's not like, I'm going to tell you how to believe, or mm -hmm. what to do, or how to act. Um, he's finding ways to connect and relate. There's a passage mm -hmm. in Acts where he's speaking in Athens. He's like, you know, people of Athens, you know, you know, you you have this tomb for this unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown, this mm. this God who you're seeking, who you don't don't know who it could be. This is Jesus, and then he he connects with them in a place that they can hear and receive. So it's like he see he's seeing them, and he's connecting. He's not compromising, but he's also not coming from a place of judgment and telling people what they have to do. Um, he's coming along. He's coming alongside. Alongside, yeah, I think about there was a um, there's a freedom study that I've led a number of times at a couple different churches, and at the end of it is a day and a half, one of those immersive experiences, um, Friday night, Saturday, um, but really focused teaching and prayer and time with God, and I served as a prayer partner for a couple years um, in that with this other 
church up in um, Greensboro, North Carolina. And I remember at the end of one of the conferences, the very people would, there were eight different sections, and at the end of each section, people would come for prayer, for individual prayer, and there were lots of prayer partners across the front. And um, so it was the very last segment, and she came down, and her arms were crossed, and she's like, there isn't anything you can do for me. And, and I said, no, I can't do, I can't do anything, like, I'm not, I can't do anything to heal you, but I can stand alongside and pray together and approach God together. And she completely softened. She'd been walking through a really difficult time at this church uh, and was super defensive and was all rolled up into herself. And she said, I've been sitting back there all day and I haven't come up for prayer. And I just felt like I needed to tell you that there's nothing that you're going to be able to do. I'm like, no, me, Patty, can't, I, I, I have nothing. But what I can do is I can stand with you and we can approach God together and pray for whatever this thing was that really had her in a really, really difficult place. And I would just watch God soften and speak. And she left much less. She had peace, at least in that moment when she walked. And I'm like, wow, God, that you would do it. And that's the thing. So it's coming along, being willing to come alongside other people. And that's what, um, that's what Paul's doing. That's what Jesus Jesus had done. It is hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. It is hard. And we don't, again, we don't do it in our power. So it's like, well, I'm going to figure out what this person needs. If we can stay close to God and that, he provides those opportunities. He gives the words. Like, I didn't realize what was going to be coming down. That wasn't my wisdom that said, I will stand alongside you. Like, that was just something that I provided in that moment. Like, I hadn't encountered anything like that. I didn't think in advance what you would say to somebody. It just was God. Mm-hmm. Just used that, used that moment. So, as we, as we begin to wrap up, we just think about, think about these passages and what we're learning through the obedience and living out and walking into the purpose um, that God has for, for each of us. Um, what obedience, loving submission uh, can look like and how it can be empowered by God, not through our own mustering up enough goodness mm-hmm. to make a good choice. Sometimes we make good choices, sometimes we make bad choices. We're never going to be perfect. But we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we have these expectations or our families have expectations or teachers or whoever, um, bosses. Um, as we walk through our days, just think about and reflect about what promises do I need to remember? Do you need to remember that you want to be holding on to? Am I running through my days fueled by my own wisdom and power? When are you turning to God for his wisdom and power? When do we look to his word to see what it says in a way that might guide us? Do we look to Jesus for his eyes and his ears and his heart of compassion, his mercy and kindness and justice for us and in our relationships and encounters with other people? Is he influencing Will I let him? We see examples of Jesus himself, fully human, fully God, 
keeping his human will fully submitted to God while tempted, but never in conflict. Um, he managed it perfectly. We don't, but we can remember, right? Mm -hmm. Have we not known? Have we not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He won't grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary. He'll give us strength. He increases the power of the weak. He'll give us power when we feel weak. We can soar on wings like eagles. We can run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint in his power and his strength. Mm -hmm. Are we willing to admit that we may not have it 100% altogether? None of us do. Um, we try, uh, but none of us fully do. But as we grow in our willingness to look for God, for wisdom, for strength, and for power, He will surprise you beyond mm -hmm. anything we can think, ask, or imagine, Paul tells us in Ephesians. Um, he can do more, and wants more, and has more, more than we can think or imagine. on anything that we can think or imagine. So I think about when I was 20 in pharmacy school, working, serve the profession of pharmacy, be a recognized leader, be successful, um, make an impact, make a difference um, in the lives of patients within our profession. And then God would start to redirect um, and use some of those skills and things for his purposes. And I'm like, Maybe one day I'll be on church on um, staff at CTK, um, managing something as my job, not as um, not as um, volunteer on the side, layered on top of a hundred other things. But God had other plans. And as I stand in this place, I remember in 2009, I was at the American Pharmacists Association. I was presenting some information to the. Um, policy stuff to the House of Delegates on an issue that I've been researching that people weren't aware of. And um, so I was appointed a seat in another delegation because the North Carolina delegation was full. And the paperwork that I submitted for my policy item, the Patty Manalakis delegate from Maine. This is 2009. Oh my God, random. I've never been to Maine. I couldn't imagine I would ever live there. <laughs> Welcome Pastor Church um, with all of you. So it's like, you never know what God has in store for us. He's always working and connecting and guiding if we will just trust His sovereignty. Sovereignty can be scary, but there's also an assurance that comes along with that. These promises that we share today, just take them with you. Um, it's fun some time with Him. God, what do you want me to know? What promise do you want me to hold on to? Um, and He'll show you. He will. He will. Through a lyric of a song, through a subject line on an email, <laughs> through a puzzle that you play, through a worship song, a word. Um, he is always moving and speaking into our lives. Will we look to him yeah. and see what he's got? Let's pray. God, you are so good. We just love you so much. We thank you for loving us more than we can think or imagine. Mm. Mm. God, thank you for creating us on purpose, for purposes that you established long ago, your word tells us, even before the foundations of the world. 
Um, Lord, that we might walk in those plans as your handiwork, as your masterpiece, as you tell us in Ephesians, God. Um, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the uh, examples that you provide throughout the Bible of when people get it right and when they don't and what we can learn from it. So, Lord, just be with us, guide us in all ahead, help us to trust you more and more as we go about our days. We praise you, we love you.